Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. I'm your host, Chet Czar. And I got a great episode coming up for you today. Just finished an amazing interview with Adi Granov. You may know him from the tool posters or the tool packaging he did for the opiate re-release or his work on the Iron Man movies. But um, those may be the least interesting things about him, believe it or not. He's got quite a life story and really a, a brilliant artist. So it's awesome to have him on the show. We had a great conversation, super nice guy too. Really enjoyed talking with him. So that's coming up. It's an excellent episode. Um, what have I been up to? I've been up to shipping books. It's tedious as hell. It's a nightmare. The nightmare never ends. But I am getting them done. And, and uh, I'm going to have the, also got the, the, the dystopia Ouija boards almost done. Going to pick up the samples tomorrow and uh, approve them. And then we'll get those milled out. And those will be ready to ship. So things are happening. Things are getting shipped. So that's, that's really a relief. I'm also still working on this NFT stuff. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to keep myself from talking about it all the time. And already I'm, I've already, um, <clears throat> you know, failed at that because here I am talking about it, but I have to say the more I get involved, the more I'm in that space, the more I realize that the NFT haters really are wrong. It's like, I become, it's not like I become <clears throat> more and more like wondering, am I in the right place? Is this for real? It's like the more you're in it, the more you realize it's 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 misunderstood completely. Um, so I'm super excited about it. I've been animating a painting, an old painting, uh, uh, Siamese clowns, just to kind of get my feet back into it and relearn After Effects because I was an After Effects freak for a long time when I did my disturb the normal stuff and uh, been wanting to animate paintings for years now. And so it's kind of cool to have a reason to do it. Really fun. Other than that, working on commissions, still got commissions to do. Got a really cool big-ass Phoenix commission I'm going to do for Chris Velasco that I've owed him for five years now. Um, finally getting that taken care of. I got some others that I've owed for a long time that I'm dealing with. So that's my life. Busy every day. I'm hoping that this year, I know I said this last year, but this year is really things are happening. Um, I'm hoping that this year, all the book stuff will be done. <laughs> I know I said this last year, but this time I'm shipping stuff. The Ouija board's almost done. So, you know, as things actually get shipped out, it becomes a lot easier to deal with. And of course, once I get the um, shipping, at least the majority of the Kickstarter shipping done on the book, I'm going to offer it for pre-sale uh, because people keep hitting me up to buy one. And um, I don't want to, I can't, I can't send any out though. I can take pre-orders, but I can't send any out until the Kickstarter people have theirs. That would just be wrong. 
So uh, those, you know, once I get a certain amount out, more than 62 or so that I've gotten out, I think there's 600 that need to ship. So I'm a tenth of the way through it. Uh, once uh, more of those are out and I feel comfortable in the flow of, of everything, uh, I, will, I will offer the, the book to the public for pre-order sales. And um, yeah, I mean, you can get one if you want. Uh, what else? Oh, I'm having a sale. It ends Friday. What is it? If you at chetzar.bigcartel.com, um, I've got some new resin casts up. I put some band sign tool um, San Jose posters, but those sold out really fast. I put five up and those are gone. But I got resin casts and everything in the store is 10% off. If you use the code Valentine's 2022, because I, I posted it on Valentine's Day. But then I didn't get it ready until like four o'clock. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to have it go throughout the week. So you can get 10% off your order if you use that code when you check out. And is that it? I think that's it. Oh, I'm going to be adding stuff, I think, throughout the week too. Um, okay. Let's get to the Patreon subscribers. So if you want to support the podcast, you could join at patreon.com slash dark art society for as little as a dollar and i think at the three dollar and up level you get entrance to the discord server which is really starting to happen again um but for only a dollar you can get in the facebook group which is a great group if you're on facebook the private facebook group and yeah here are and, and you can get your name read on the podcast and here are some of those names from this week who have supported the podcast and are donating to our Patreon. Okay. Where did we leave off? Son of a bitch. I had this all ready to go and I messed it up. First, I have to go into my messages and then I have to find Randall Perkins. Percasso, the mundane is his name on here and he every week every week he's so kind he 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 knows i have it i have too much on my plate he always without fail he tells me who the last the last name i read off on the previous podcast and he just does this because he's a cool guy what a nice guy i appreciate you randall okay so last person i left off with was nick styles so new subscribers Charlene Brinson. Thank you, Charlene. Oh, Clint Carney. Clint, thank you. And congratulations. Clint Carney won Christopher Ulrich's first NFT release. And he got it at a good price, too. That thing's going to be worth a lot of money. Um, that was really cool of you, Clint. We appreciate that. Uh, okay, and then we've got Brian Wilson who just messaged me and asked for the discord link. And I just gave it to him and Ken Jeremiahson upgraded his pledge to get into discord. And I just messaged him too. So that's it. Oh yeah. You get the podcast a day early and you get the video podcast like weeks early. 
if you join the Patreon and you're supporting a good cause because we are promoting dark artists and the dark art scene and interviewing amazing artists on here. So your support makes it happen. And I'm truly grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you for everyone who supports it. All right, enough of my blathering. Let's get on with it. Here we go. Adi Granov. What's up, Adi? Hello. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, My pleasure. Yeah. uh, You know, you don't need me to tell you how amazing your work is, but um, absolutely love it. I I, uh, was knowingly exposed to it through the tool posters. Um, And then I, you know, found out your background and realized I'd been seeing your work for a lot longer than that. Um, I think we, the shop I worked at was even trying to, trying to get one of the Iron Man gigs, the shop I worked at spectral motion. I know we did some kind of like maquette an Iron uh, Man maquette. Possible, yeah. yeah. It's been so long ago. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm never really involved in any of that stuff. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Anyway. So it's like, you know, our, our paths have probably crossed at, a, at, a, at an earlier time both working in the film industry and stuff but um i think i think in general just in the art world it's it's a pretty small world actually sooner uh, or later it seems like everybody knows everybody yeah absolutely it's like that in effects too and in visual effects i think as well but um i think the art world's even small even smaller because fewer people are doing it yeah because the money sucks <laughs> in the in the in the fine art world anyway and i think also social media you know i just realized uh, like it's kind of it's not even really like seven degrees of separation or whatever it's called it's now like two degrees of separation yeah it's usually someone i know will know someone else that will know someone else and it just seems to be all right. connected. <laughs> it is it's kind of amazing so you you've had a well, how did you how did you uh, get involved working with Adam from Tool? Uh, actually, Facebook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you I go. Mean, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been a, a, a fan of Tool for a very long time and uh, actually inadvertently fan of your work for a very long time. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, more to the point, I think it was uh, about 10 years ago now, maybe maybe 11. Uh, I realized that he had a Facebook. And <laughs> I, I sent him a friend request, you know, just I'm not really expecting anything. Or, you know, I, but he actually messaged me within like a couple of minutes to say he loved my work. Oh, wow. Uh, and um, um, he asked me if I was going to uh, Comic-Con in San Diego uh, uh, that year. And I said I wasn't planning on, but he said, oh, you know, if you are, should come and visit. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> That's a good reason to go. Yeah. So, so I, um, yeah, I went to Comic-Con and then afterwards uh, went and stayed with him and that's how I met him. <laughs> yeah, oh, was, cool. And, and yeah, that, so that's kind of how it started. 
Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So poor Adam's going to get all these, <laughs> all these emails, all these messages now from artists who want to do tool, tool posters. I have, I've been hit up with so many, so many people, artists trying to get me to send their stuff to Adam. Yeah. Same. same. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. assume so. And it's like, you can't do it because if you do one, you have to do them all, you know? So well, you can't, that's at least that was how I approached it. It's like, I can't, do that every time someone hits me up it's like it's gonna piss adam off you know no i i did it a couple of times with people i knew and uh it uh you know sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't and um um i've kind of stopped doing it because um uh it kind of puts a bit i feel responsible right and, you know if it works out it's great but if it doesn't then i i feel like you know uh, I've done something wrong, even though I haven't really, but I, I kind of, so I tried to avoid having that, like, you know, responsibility on me. Right, for, right. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's not just with Adam, it's, it's you know, in, with work in general, you know, with like the movie stuff and, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it becomes a bit of a, I don't know, when personal and, and, and work gets tangled up, it, it, it can be, you know. Yes, I know. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> know that. I've actually recommended a couple people to him. I do from time to time. I, I see people. I'm like, this person would do an amazing poster, you know, but it's not, it's never people that are kind of like asking me. Cause I just like, I can't, if I, like I said, if someone asked me one time and I send it, then it's like, I'll have to do it every time if I'm going to be fair. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, one person I will remain nameless ended up getting a poster. Oh, and I don't uh, even I don't even think he knows that I recommended him for it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. want I don't want to be a dick and be like, hey, you know, I could probably get you this gig. <laughs> so I'm just like, let it let it be and be happy for him. I mean, the thing is, Adam Adam is such a big fan of uh, art, and you know, because oh, yeah. um, he I mean, of course, before you know, before COVID, but he came to Comic Con a couple of times, and we'd hang out, and you know, I'd introduce him to different people, and then um, and actually, he introduced me to a few people as well. Because mm. uh, he he knows a lot more people in the kind of the fine art side, and then right, a lot right. of the more kind of commercial artists and uh, comic book artists and stuff. I I know, um, so <clears throat> I know that there were like connections made, um, but uh, uh, like I said, yeah, I've 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 recommended people in the past, and you know, in some cases it worked out, and some it didn't. So yeah, I've kind of decided to. I mean, I you know, I'm not saying no ever, but it's just. Right. I, it's, it's a bit it's a bit of a to me at least it's a bit of a sensitive subject yeah totally <laughs> yeah sorry for bringing it up no no no, it's fine. <laughs> no it's actually something i've been thinking about a lot because actually one of my um good friends um uh peach uh momoko uh from japan um she's a comic book artist and uh, my wife really loved her work and we met her in Tokyo, uh, I don't know, a number of years ago. And then uh, another time we were again in Tokyo and the editor-in-chief from Marvel was there. So I introduced him and now she's become a really big Marvel star. Awesome. Uh, and then I noticed that Adam was following her on Instagram and she just did a poster. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. And, yeah, I, I had nothing to do with that. It's right. just that uh, I was really, really quite like, proud that like you know it's it's kind of my my two different worlds came together yeah 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 it's so cool to be able to do that one thing about adam he's he's got really great taste 
in art. It's like he he really has great taste. It's he and he also he's uh he's one of these people that <clears throat> you ever know a person that knows all of the cool bands before you do and like introduces you to all the cool bands. Have you ever because I, I had a friend like that in high school, he knew all of the cool bands way before I did, and he introduced he would always introduce me to them early, and then they would become really big. And Adam's like that with at least with me, with um, aside from music, he's he's turned me on to a lot of bands that I, I'd never heard of. But um, with art, like he's the first person to turn me on to Bekshinsky, who's like one of my favorite artists now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's done that a lot. He's like one of those people that knows what's cool before before people kind of know know about it. Some people I mean, have a talent for that. I, I, I both. Yeah, I agree. But I also <laughs> he has some. I mean, he knows this. <laughs> he has some really ugly art. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh god, this is just hideous. But he does have some really amazing. Really, art. I, uh, I haven't seen any of the ugly stuff. It's been a while. Oh, no, since he, I've seen it. he has, yeah, he, he has some stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I can see the kind of the appeal from like a kitsch kind of, you know, mm. uh, oh, ironic cool. <laughs> right really, yeah <laughs> pretty, pretty ugly but then you know he has you know one of my favorite painters phil hale he has oh i know hale. i know it's so so crazy to see those in person yeah actually one of the craziest experiences to me we were uh staying with with adam in uh uh malibu at the time and phil hale came to stay and we spent like an afternoon driving around adam has this uh you might have seen it this uh 60s uh lincoln uh -huh, yeah 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 <laughs> uh, you know and it was you know, my wife Thompson and I and uh, Adam's wife Corinne Adam and then Phil just kind of cruising around Malibu in this uh, <laughs> I, I remember at the time thinking I was like oh man this is like such a cool kind of yeah you know, yeah scenario it was, it was just so um it was very it was very kind of like LA as well yeah so. yeah totally <laughs> I'm finally one of the cool kids. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay. So, aside from the the tool stuff, let's talk about your. You've had quite an amazing life, from what I've read. Um, uh, can you tell me about how you, you know, you're basically give me your life story in a nutshell? Um, because oh, <laughs> because it's got a lot of. Uh, I don't. It's it seemed pretty intense, you know, yeah, from what from yeah, what I read. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can't really like downplay it. It really it has been pretty intense, uh, just due to circumstances. Right. Um, I mean, I'm I'm originally from Bosnia, and you know, it was it was part of Yugoslavia when I was, you know, I was born in Yugoslavia. And, that's uh, that's where my step. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's where my uh -huh. uh, that's where my stepdad's family is from. Okay. Yeah, it's a, that's the, the the name Czar is apparently Slavic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I took my step oh. my stepfather adopted me when I was like twelve, and um, I took his name on. But uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that makes sense because Czar is Czar, but yeah, sounds like it kind of. <laughs> well, well, it is in, in in my language. It is. Oh, is is it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh. Yeah, anyway, I, I mean, I, we had a, a war in uh, Yugoslavia when it started falling apart. I mean, it's a long story. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, 
and I was um, going to an art school because uh, in, um, in Yugoslavia, we had kind of German style system, schooling system. So after grade school at 14, um, you choose a, 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 a direction. So mm-hmm. you can go to like a vocational school or you can go to a, so it was more specialized high schools rather than general education. Mm-hmm. So I was going to an um, art school, uh, which uh, was like a dream come true for me. But uh, the war started about six months into it. Oh, my God. So um, I was in Sarajevo, which is uh, the capital of Bosnia. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, it was under siege uh, for uh, almost four years. It was the longest siege of a city in modern history. I remember that. Um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably, I don't know, 10 years older than you or, or something. And I, I remember that when it was on the news and everything. I got to ask you, it's like, what, what was that like? I mean, it seems absolutely terrifying. I mean, it's, it's a funny thing because only like, I think maybe even during now, now, during the pandemic, I've started to realize more and more just how, what an effect it has had on me because life has been so kind of, full on and busy that I haven't really thought, thought about it much, but it's, you know, I, I, I do realize I have a lot of kind of PTSD because of it. Yeah, that, um, you know, as soon as it started, it kind of like started full on. It was uh, shelling, uh, you know, grenades falling, you know, uh, the whole city on fire. And uh, Oh my God. Uh, we ran out of, uh, well, they, the electricity was cut off. The water was cut off. Uh, so, uh, we were kind of, you know, because we were, it was a, you know, Olympic city actually, but the Olympics are going on now. And in right. 1984, Sarajevo had the Winter Olympics. So it was a, you know, a very kind of modern, progressive, uh, very highly educated population actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, quite a nice city. And then pretty much overnight, we were turned into like a medieval existence. Oh my God. Um, so, you know, we lived in, you know, concrete blocks because I lived in an apartment, but uh, you know, with, without electricity, water, uh, heating, you know, it soon turns into a pretty kind of like cave-like existence. Yeah, then, yeah. I imagine well, that also changes the, the 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 demeanor of the people around you. Well, everything. You know, it's it's just. I mean, it's one of those things you see it in, in you know people from from war zones. It's like the sustained fear, right? Uh, what it does to you, and then you get used to it. That's the problem. Right. So you get used to living with this constant knowledge that you can, you know, die pretty much any minute. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I was a teenager. So um, between kind of, uh, you know, there, there would be like campaigns of like, you know, shellings and, and rocket fire and stuff like that. So you can't go out. We would just hide in basements. Oh my God. But then in, in between those, it would be just sniper fires. So there would be no shelling, but there would always be uh, snipers because the city is, like in a in a valley between uh, mountains and uh, up on the mountains and hills around the city is where the uh, uh, enemy, I guess, forces were with with artillery and, and snipers. And then, you know, I was really I was into heavy metal and, and, and comics and, and music, you know. So I had a few friends, and then between my building and my friend's building was like a a, a corridor that you could see straight up onto the hill. And a sniper would shoot down this this corridor in between our buildings. What? Are you serious? 
Yeah, but, but for whatever reason, he only shot, or he, whoever, I, I, you know, I, I imagine right. it was a man, but I, I don't know, um, uh, would shoot uh, up until about, uh, from, from about 10 in the morning, 11, something like that, to about two in the afternoon. Oh so if I would cross before and then just hang out with my friends on the other side, uh, kind of hidden from view, then wait until he he would finish, and then I could go home. Oh my uh, god, that is insane, man! That's um, crazy. That's and, the- I mean, you know, there there are, there are a few really good kind of um, documentaries. Um, what is the shit? What is the one that I just recently watched for the first time? It was really amazing, and it's it's literally follows. It's it's a it's a a, a, a journalist who just goes to live in the city during the war. And it's the first time that I really saw footage of exactly how I remember it being. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to know the name of it, maybe after, uh, if you can think of it, because I'm a big documentary freak. I want to say it's called something like, um, oh, The Living and the Dead. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it's called, The Living and the Dead. And, um, it, I mean, it's quite like a har- harrowing, you know, yeah, yeah, watch, yeah. but uh, it really was because often, you know, when you watch the um, you know, documentaries by like journalists, they always try to kind of have an angle, you know, and jazz it up, or you know, right. but this guy literally just went and lived there, uh, for uh, in two different stretches for many months at a time, mm-hmm. and you know, lived with some, some people, and then next time he was there, they were that dead, you know, or you or they would die in the middle wow. of his. Um, and then he, he, he went and interviewed uh, doctors and nurses during, because uh, I lived actually quite close to the hospital. So um, a lot of, um, I, I, I don't know how like, how gruesome I should be, but you know, you, you get to see, you know, during a war, you get to see all kinds of stuff that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, I guess that's where like the, the whole kind of PTSD and trauma happens is because you go into this almost like dissociative state. Yeah. And the things that you see don't feel real anymore. Wow. And I think it's only later that they kind of like, you know, you wake up and you're like, oh man, that, that actually, you know, <laughs> was, was real. Right. Um, yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. It's like, you know being an american it's like you just don't you have no context for something like that uh uh unless you're you know i guess unless you're in a war in like iraq or vietnam or something but yeah i mean the the weird thing you know to me obviously because i was when it started i was 15 and it was like a a real education and you know what kind of things normal people Mm -hmm. are capable of right a lot of the combatants a lot of the people on both sides were just normal people yeah you know, literally like people that live next door uh and suddenly you know crazy ideologies going back hundreds of years and you know, yeah. I, I don't know all kinds of you know it, it stuff makes people do crazy shit yeah yeah that's the that's the scariest part really is that you know uh they're all just like you and me just put in a situation where they were, you know, they were able to do these things or they had to do these things yeah. or, or under the influence of, uh, I mean, wasn't Milosevic like charged with 
war crimes and 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 stuff yeah or yeah, yeah was, no, no, a, num- a number of them were so uh you know the, the general Mladic, who was the the general of the of the serb army mm-hmm. he he was um um on trial for for uh uh yeah crimes against humanity karadzic who was the leader of the uh, uh whatever the serbian side or the, right. sorry not the serbian but the serb side Okay. There's a distinction between the two. Uh, um, and then yeah, Milosevic, who was the president of Serbia. Um, but he but, was being, yeah. but it, it's, yeah, it's just, it's like, you know, but war, war, you know, well, you know what they say, war is hell. It's like, yeah, just, just to get it, you know, it's like, I've always felt that way that anybody, any, you know, I think about this with Nazis and stuff. It's like anybody, in the right situation can do horrible things if if they're you know just the average person put in this put in a certain set of circumstances can do all kinds of atrocities 100 percent. you know how you know people say like oh i i don't understand how you know so many germans decided to follow hitler and i'm like yeah i, I can tell you literally normal people just get get caught up in in, in you know crazy things and yeah uh, it's, it's incredible yeah. wow hey, well i don't want to get you know have you have you i mean have you gotten like therapy or anything for that not to get too personal but i mean i've i've gone through worse I, a lot less worse than you have and and it's like i had to go through i had to go to therapy to deal with it, it was just personal stuff it seems like it, that would really really be in a hard. kind of a roundabout way because um i didn't realize it was it was really um going back to that i mean it's not just that you know i had a, a, a I, I was quite ill when i was when i was very little oh uh, so i ended up you know, having some serious surgeries when I was three years old. And oh, then, no, yeah. And then, I mean, it's kind of almost, when I start talking about it, it kind of seems like I'm making it up because it's so much. <laughs> well, that, you know, your, your story is just like, you know, so heroic, you know? That's why, you know, I see you posting pictures of your success. Remember that that Facebook post I commented on? And you were kind of talking about how you, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you like to share that artists can make it. It's like the fact that you had these, you know th- these traumas in your life as a kid and you and you are where you are it's like it's amazing it's it's like it gives people hope i think it's really really well, great i always kind of i rejected the i mean again you know my, my father was an alcoholic and kind of a really i don't know how to put this politely but um it was pretty much like a, an anti uh uh role model for yeah me. yeah so um it, it's it's almost like i i kind of wanted to do everything opposite to what he right did. yeah yeah that's how uh, my, and, my my wife is the same way with her dad it's like she always she was able to recognize it early on like this is not the person i want to be you know no i mean i i remember you know being a kid and my friends would be you know would be playing with like toy cars and they would say like oh i'm my dad and i'm my dad and i was like no i'm not i'm not my dad yeah right <laughs> he's, a, he's a drunk you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't be, you know right. so it, it's it's um yeah so I, I kind of feel like i'm not doing that whole uh, hopefully it doesn't come across that way maybe it does for some people but i'm not you know trying to do that thing like Oh, you know, look, I've you know come from nothing and I made it. It's oh, yeah. more just the I'm fact not... that 
because I don't, you know, I, I actually, I, I wish I was born rich and, you know. It, right, I <laughs> didn't have to deal with it, all that shit. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and, and I don't, you know, th- th- there's no, I don't think there's any shame to being well off and then making it. <laughs> it right, really, right, you know, right. And I don't think anybody should be ashamed of, of being successful. I agree. And it, it's just that I, I think my story probably just sh- kind of um, shuts up some of those people who say, well, it's easy for you because you were, you know, right. born this way or that way or whatever. And I can say, well, no, you know, I just, you know, I worked, I worked pretty hard. I had, you know, some, some breaks and, you know, had some, some, you know, everything in life is combination of work and luck. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's, I don't know. It's an inspiring story. I think, uh, especially nowadays it's people need that people need to hear inspiring stories, you know? Um, I, mean, I, so, I think especially artists. Um, yeah, absolutely. I know so many artists. You know, they're really, really talented. But they just, uh, yeah, um, are not great at standing up for themselves. Mm-hmm. At, you know, sticking up for. And I think that's what's really kind of driven this whole narrative. And that's you know the post you're talking about that I made. You know, it, it was kind of standing up against that like starving artists yeah yeah you know just because you're choosing to be an artist doesn't mean that you need to starve yeah and Uh, it's not yeah and it's not it's not part of it doesn't have to be part of the myth you know it's like i i watched my my stepdad was an artist and i just watched him struggle because he was bad at business really bad at, at business which most artists are i think and uh and part of the reason i kind of wanted to be successful and still want to be even more successful is is for him in a way because it's like i know i know he would be proud i mean he saw me getting pretty successful before he died um so so that was really cool but i really feel like i'm doing it for him as much as for myself and my family you know in his honor sort of mm-hmm. you know because i knew it's like he could have done it he just you know if he had some help and i was trying to help him actually uh at the end of his life <clears throat> but he died um but uh, yeah, so I'm with you there, man. I, I agree that that whole starving artist myth is such bullshit. It just really is damaging to actual artists that are compelled to create. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes whether, you know, if, if I didn't have the experiences I've had, whether I wouldn't be quite at like um, as, because as, um, part of the whole, PTSD thing is that the, the hypervigilance, which has mm. actually made me quite shrewd at, at business decisions because mm. I'm always aware that, or, or you know, I'm always s- s- like uh, yeah. suspicious of, of, you know, whether somebody's trying to screw me. Right. And, <laughs> and, and I wonder if, you know, if I didn't have that, whether I would, you know, not be quite as forceful with you know certain things i mean you never know so it's one of yeah, those yeah, yeah. i just actually uh watched the tv show uh devs uh, and it deals with kind of the the many worlds uh theories and uh it, it's it's it kind of plays into that and it's fascinating like you know the, the same person but with different paths right and i right. do wonder sometimes whether you know i would have been better off if there was no war or if i would have been worse right yeah yeah you can, it's like you just can never know 
you can never know it's 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 fascinating though um because in like in, in in you know in, in comics especially i realized that uh a lot of artists amazing artists i mean you know incredible artists i've been a fan of for you know decades but they have been fans of comics and it's almost like you know the dream has come true and they that's all they know and that's all they do and and right. um you know a lot of them struggle because it doesn't pay very well right and yeah and i look look at it and i and, and i just think you know but there is so much like skill and knowledge and, and, and intellect there that really there should be a better way yeah yeah but you, you, the thing is, it's like part of, I think part of the artist's path is it's like the world is just not geared. It's, you know, it's not geared or oriented towards artists or the artist's mindset. And so if you want that, if you want success with your art, I mean, if you want to create your art and earn a living from it, you got to fucking grab it and you got to, you got to like, you got to do all the things that make you uncomfortable you got to learn marketing at least from a i'm coming from like a fine art perspective all the oh, stuff I, it's the same 100 percent. yeah agree. all the stuff you don't want to do you have to do it and i kind of feel like as much as it's a pain in the ass and it would be nice if the world was a little more um i don't know friendlier to the artistic temperament it sort of it makes us be i think more well-rounded people as as people because it forces us outside of our comfort zones and it forces us to learn these skills that we may not necessarily have naturally, like just being, you know, uh, being able to talk to someone you don't know and, and talk about your artwork and learn how to start a business and learn how to do bookkeeping and all these things that are like, you know, if we had our way, I know for me, I'd just be sitting and creating and, and that's it. But since I was forced to do all these things to make it a living it's made me a better person really overall from it you know oh i 100 percent. i mean you know the dream <laughs> i still dream you know to, to win the lottery and then do nothing but just create, you know do my own stuff and, yeah right you know, and not have to worry ever again about you know any of the you know the the, the boring bits but uh, but you know i i agree 100 percent. but i also think just solving problems within art has actually because I constantly, I think I bore my wife to death with, with like com making com comparisons in, in like life situations to how I solve problems when I do art. Yeah, right. Because, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and this is the thing that I, I don't know whether other artists see that they actually already have those skill sets. That exactly. They just need to be able to apply them to other things. It's so true. It's so true. You know, just figuring out, you know, uh, some like, complex kind of lighting situations and you know specular highlights and, right. you know, it requires so much kind of you know consideration and thought and um yeah it's actually much more difficult than just the you know the marketing the business and stuff like that is way easier than learning how to be a painter or be an artist 100 you know it's like way harder to do that yeah, i mean i think it's just um I mean, I also blame, I would say, the educational system because, you know, you're taught all of these things that you never use. But how about teaching kids, you know, like some proper kind of economics and marketing? Just I know. I in, know. A, in a way that like makes you feel like, oh, okay, 
you know, because I, I remember first time having to pay taxes. And right. I'm like, what, what, what is this? How does this work? Because I was living in the States at the time. And I remember like, because I, 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 I was working at Nintendo. It was my first proper job. And they were like, oh, you know, what deductions do you put? Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. What's a deduction? <laughs> deduction. You know, so I ended up, I think I ended up having like three children or something <laughs> of paper because I didn't know. Right. The, 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 you know, there were these couple of guys at work and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, just tick off, you know, whatever, three and you'll, you'll pay less tax. I was right. like, oh, great, I'll pay less tax. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, now yeah, now obviously I, I know what that was. It's just at the time I was like, oh great, yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was the same way. I grew up with, you know, we had no money and um my parents were not good business people at all. And uh I I I didn't know any, anything. I mean, I, I it's funny my, my wife teases me about it now, but when I first got into the effects business on the uh the blob, that movie The Blob, that mm-hmm. the um I was still living at home and with my mom and I would get paid checks every week and I would give them to my mom. She would deposit yeah, yeah. them in my, in my checking account for me. <laughs> I'd never even been and cashed a check. I didn't know any of that stuff. I would have like my, my you know wife at the time, which she's my girlfriend, she'd come over and just see these like checks laying all around because I was making good money living at home. I didn't know the yeah. value of money at all, really. I was just used to being kind of poor all the time. And it just, yeah, yeah. it did, didn't really phase me because I was just in doing what I really wanted to, which is effects stuff. And, uh, but yeah, I had, you know, I can't believe it's like, and then I get into the real world and I'm like, how did they not teach me how to balance a checkbook in well, high school? Yeah. Nothing. That's exactly it. It's yeah. like, these are the basics that you need to survive in the world, especially in America. It's like, you need to know that shit. And and, you know, I think it's maybe it's changed now. But when I was a kid, they didn't teach you anything. But, you know. I mean, as far as I know, they, they, you know, you don't learn that kind of stuff until you're in college. Oh, right. Means, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's because you know, um, it seems like something really that would be number one priority yeah, because our world world especially in the west is built built on capitalism yeah i know and it's like they don't teach you anything how to deal with it it's like yeah, it's, it's kind of fucked up no when i um you know i was really really poor uh and then um i graduated uh, uh i uh, went to an art institute in seattle and i uh got the job at nintendo um mm-hmm straight like i got it uh, at the graduation actually uh so i kind of didn't really experience having to you know hunt for a job mm-hmm. and then you know at the, t- at the time i mean you know it wasn't that much money but at the time i, I couldn't believe like suddenly i was making this money from right. you know, being an artist at nintendo but what i did is i went and bought a car immediately that cost that cost so much you know the monthly payments that i was just back to being as poor as I was before, except I had a nice car, and, 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 and this car literally drove me into into you know absolute poverty, and then I also totaled it. Oh so, my god! Yeah, I mean it was it was a yeah it was a yeah I was, I was whatever I was 20, 20, uh, 21 maybe. Yeah, these were the for, mistakes for the first that... time ever having some money, and um, yeah. you know I was always into cars. 
uh, well, I never had a car before, but as a kid, I always liked cars. Mm. So of course, I immediately went and bought a, like the most expensive car I could afford in finance, mm-hmm. not considering that literally it was going to just put me back on the breadline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mistakes that young men make. But that's a that's a perfect example of of not being prepared to enter the workforce, really. You know. Yeah. Um, okay, so I wanted to I, I do want to get into your 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 work history and how that uh, developed. But first, um, so there was a point when you you fled uh, the war zone, basically, mm-hmm. right? And 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 where did you go to after that? And how what was that like, even too? Well, I mean, that, that was a uh, I really. I probably should at some point write some of this stuff down because actually, yeah. it, it, you know, it is quite fascinating because um, so the war hasn't finished. Uh, it was, uh, I just started to become more and more uncomfortable about the, um, the religious narrative that was starting to happen that I didn't really, you know, see uh, because Yugoslavia was a, a you know, communist state and I grew up without religion. And, but then, what I didn't realize, especially living in the city, is that there was this undercurrent of real religious animosity. And as the war kind of progressed, suddenly it, it, it came to the fore and I became very uncomfortable. Uh, and by this point I was uh, 16, I guess. And uh, uh, my, my father was you know, just, a, uh, I mean, destructive force and I didn't really want anything to do with it, but my mom and sister and I, and I convinced them that uh, we should uh, leave mm. and go, you know, somewhere else, elsewhere. And I was uh, uh, drawing um, just, uh, you know, I, I was going to art school and, and then I did some art for a, for a, a bar in, in the city that uh, operated during the war, which, uh, French UN soldiers would frequent, mm. so they were they were the clientele for this bar. And then I did the art for the bar, and the French soldiers saw it, and then they started asking me to draw for them in exchange for uh, food and and and, and uh, I mean food as in chocolate and uh, Coca Cola. Right. Uh, so instead of paying me, they would just because you know there was no such there was no chocolate, there was no Coke in in, in the city. Uh, but they had it obviously on the on their uh, for, uh, military base. So in exchange for art, I would get uh, chocolate and coke, and I would keep some of the chocolate, but uh, coke I would sell immediate immediately to the bar. Wow! So through that, I was able to actually get some money, and then we used that money to um, kind of organize a way out of the city. And as it happened, it was a UN convoy leaving. Uh, the city uh, taking some refugees out and we got on, on, onto this convoy and it was uh, 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 just a couple of buses with uh, UN escort, but then you had to go through the enemy lines. Oh my God. And even though we had uh, UN escort, we still were completely at the mercy of the, uh, 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 so um, we had to go, I mean, too, take too long to like describe, yeah. but it literally was like something out of a, you know, some kind of a post-apocalyptic movie wow. going through the through the front line and going through like the, the checkpoint. And, oh my god, it must have been terrifying. Well, the, the worst thing, actually, just quickly, the the worst thing about it was uh, because they were letting anybody who wasn't Serb leave, 
but if you had a Serb sounding name, uh, you were in trouble trying to leave. Oh, so there were people yeah. in the city who were still, you know, Serbs who stayed in the city and they tried to leave. And the Serb uh, military had a list of names and they came onto the bus and took off the bus, anybody who had a Serb name and never oh, saw it again. Oh my yeah, God. The buses, the buses continued and these people were, I assume, kept uh, there. So anyway, yeah, we, we made it out and they dropped us off just in the first city that was, uh, or town that was back in, in, in Bosnian, uh, under Bosnian control. And then from there, we paid our own way to Croatia. And then we were in Zagreb as refugees for about, uh, I guess, a year and a half. Wow. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a two different shelters. Uh, wow. I mean, they're, they're, again, sounds <laughs> surreal. Technically, because uh, our, our main, my, our plan was actually to go to Germany because I had, or I guess I still have, an uncle in Germany, mm. my, my father's brother, who guaranteed in order to, to, to you know, become a refugee somewhere, you have to have somebody sponsoring you to, to get right. there. Mm. And he was, you know, he promised us this, but then when we got to Croatia, he uh, abandoned us. Oh, no. So we wow. were stuck. We were stuck in Croatia then for for you know a year and a half, and then during that time, um, again, I I, I kind of was like pushing for different things. So I I pushed to to try to get onto the refugee program to go to the U.S. and that's eventually what happened. And then in '95, at the very end of '95, uh, in December, uh, we we went to the U.S. and. Uh, we thought we were going to Baltimore uh, because there was a refugee center in Baltimore. But by the time we landed in New York, there was a guy there waiting for us. And he said, okay, you know, I'm taking you to, to another flight. Uh, you're going to Portland. And, and I was like, where's, where's Portland? I, I had no idea. <laughs> and, and this guy, he was a Bosnian guy. And I remember it was kind of, again, like a surreal uh, he was a Bosnian guy and he was missing an arm. So I'm assuming, you know, he was also a refugee from the war. Right. He was so unpleasant. He was so surly. Anyway, <laughs> kind of rushed us through JFK and we got onto this other flight and it was a, a, a red eye overnight flight. And, you know, we were exhausted by that point because we flew from, uh, well, we took a bus from Zagreb to Vienna. And then from Vienna, we flew to Amsterdam and then from Amsterdam to New York. So by that point, we were, I mean, just shattered. Yeah. And we were this overnight flight to uh, Portland and we have no idea where the hell Portland is. Oh my God. And and it's a, it was a very empty flight. I think there were like six or seven people on it. And then the the flight attendant uh, was like, oh, you know, you will love it there and let me show you the map and she, she showed me where portland was <laughs> the first time i was like oh okay we're going to the west coast oh uh, uh, yeah it's a lot cool a lot cooler place than baltimore i think especially <laughs> i've never actually in the end i've never actually been to baltimore so uh, but i've heard you know so yeah so we ended up in portland and uh yeah um and Crazy. i was in portland only for about eight months uh, and they put me in a high school because 
I just didn't have the credits that, you know, would convert to anything oh, to like, right. let me graduate high school or whatever. And I was already 19 at that point. Mm. And uh, I went to this high school for a few months and I realized because uh, even with my interrupted war education, the, the standard of education in, in Bosnia was just so much higher than in a, in a you know, a U.S. public high school. Mm-hmm. that um, yeah, I, I could barely speak English and I was uh, given uh, to read uh, Grapes of Wrath, you know, the, 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 by Steinbeck. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember in class, I was the only person who could actually discuss it with the, with the teacher. <laughs> you know, so, so that kind of convinced me that maybe I, I, I should probably get the hell out of there. Right. Um, <laughs> Definitely. So, so I got, I got GD uh, and then I could go and, and uh, uh, you know, moved, and I moved to Seattle to to go to the Art Institute there uh, in 96. Um, Seattle's cool. I like Seattle. Yeah, I love Seattle. I stayed there a long time. I was there six years. Oh, wow. I worked there on a movie for a couple months, I think. It was great. I love the rainy weather. So it was good for me. Yeah, I mean, it was it was because I was there, you know, late 90s. It was just kind of, well, not, I mean, it was 96 to, to 2001. Uh, 2002, actually, sorry. Um, but um, what was um, cool about it is, you know, the grunge era had kind of just like come to an end, but it was still a very kind of grungy, cool city. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of like really weird stuff. And especially, you know, student housing was downtown next to a park that was dubbed the crack park it was an experience and I, all of those old venues you know where all of the you know grunge bands used to play and stuff they were still there because um, now when you go back to seattle it's all gone right Most of those places it's been very gentrified and stuff but uh, yeah. it, it really was a very like you know alternative and cool place back then yeah 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 i, I think it was like i probably I'm sure it was around, it was like mid nineties when I was there working on this movie, the stupid movie <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we had a gorilla, we were doing a gorilla suit called born to be wild. <laughs> it was dumb. It was like a kid's movie, but um, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was, it was, I, I remember it was very kind of like, I don't know. The people were really chill and cool and I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, no, I, I really liked it. And I, I think I almost, I mean, that whole period, maybe, maybe it's more of a, like a, 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 a subjective thing rather than a, than a real objective kind of thing. But those years between me being there and 9-11, I, I have a, a real like good kind of like memory of. And then 9-11 happening, I remember just the mood shifting yeah. so much. That um, uh, in my mind, that was almost like a a, you know end of an era, beginning of a of a different kind of right. uh, It was too. (laughs) It was everywhere. I think it was like that everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so you you uh, uh, you were what was talk? Let's talk about your your you know your work experience. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I have a tendency to blab. No, no, it's perfect. This is the way we love it here. <laughs> it's just about having a good conversation, you know, but I'm interested to hear how you climbed this ladder and yeah, got I mean, to where you are today. It's kind of amazing. Um, yeah, so 
I, I went to the Art Institute and um, um, yeah, at my graduation show, uh, a guy from, from Nintendo, he was the vice president of a, uh, a development company mm-hmm. owned by Nintendo called Nintendo Software Technologies. And he was the vice president and he, I, I, they were just setting it up. It was brand new. And he came to the uh, portfolio show and invited me for an interview. And I had a job within, like within the week. So your stuff must have been good back then for your, for your age and stuff, I imagine. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it was it was it was good. You know, it was, you know, looking back on it, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it was, right. it was good. You know, I think it was good enough. Um, I mean, it was a, a bit of a weird thing because it was mostly character, well, not mostly all character art and illustration, and then that's what I was hired for. And then the very first job they gave me was a, a, a car racing game. To design a racing racetrack, and I was like, that, that, "This I've, I've never done anything even remotely. Like I had no idea." Yeah, and because the company was brand new, and uh, they had a team in Canada that hasn't moved down to see up to to uh, uh, Renton, where where it was, or Redmond, sorry, near Seattle, where it was. So I was there on my own for for a couple of months in this office. And, and I was like, what am I doing here? I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. Uh, nobody's telling me what, what like, they just said, okay, design some cars and a track. I'm like, what? So it was a really, really odd, odd experience. Yeah, I've been in situations uh, like that before. <laughs> and I, I remember, you know, just kind of sitting there and, and I'm like, literally, it's, it's, it's like being told, you know, build a jet engine. And I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> like, where did I even go? Uh, but uh, yeah, I stayed there about two, two, two and a bit years. And, um, uh, but I was really getting, getting quite like antsy and I didn't like working in an office environment. I didn't like, um, I didn't like meetings. Uh, I realized even back then, you know, that, that it, it was just to tick boxes and, you know, it was constant meetings and, I was like, well, I could get so much work done if I wasn't sitting here listening to yeah. some nonsense. Um, so I, I just wasn't really enjoying it. And then uh, uh, I decided to quit and try to kind of, oh, sorry. I, I started doing some side on the side kind of in the, in the evenings, mm-hmm. illustration for Wizards of the Coast. Oh, cool. Uh, so that was going you know, pretty, pretty well. So I, I was like, okay, I'm going to quit Nintendo and try to make it, you know, freelance. Mm. Um, and then uh, I got work with a, a, a comic book and media company called Humanoids um, who were setting up a, a Los Angeles base to try to... Um, they have a huge catalog of, of, of uh, like back catalog of properties and they were trying to kind of launch them as, as, you know, TV and movie projects. Uh, and uh, anyway, I decided, okay, I'm going to move to LA and see how, you know, that goes. Cause I had a friend uh, living down there and I went to LA and it went terribly. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I mean, like absolutely terribly. This company, um, uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah. I've already said their name, so I can't really say I should. But 
uh, no I, I have nothing but but bad feelings towards them. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that sucks. Uh, what part uh, of LA were you living in? Uh, 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 Burbank. Oh, okay. Because uh, this friend of mine, he was working at Disney Interactive at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he lived in Burbank. So I went and stayed with him. And then the idea was that I was going to find my own place. But by the time that kind of, you know, came about, I, I realized I had A, ran out, run out of money, and B, you know, I, I just... Well, I mean, mostly the money was the issue, and I, you know, I just couldn't really like make it. Uh, right. So by this point, my my mom and sister were living in Chicago, so I packed up and went to stay with them, and then I just stayed in Chicago for for three years. Mm. Uh, but during that time, sorry, I'm kind of skipped. I'm, I'm getting lost again. But yeah, <laughs> so when I when I went to Chicago, then. I was kind of at a really low point because this whole LA adventure really fell through. And then um, a Canadian company, comic book company, contacted me to do a comic book for them. And uh, I mean, it was a you know, fairly small, small kind of time comic book, but uh, I think I did really good work on it. And that company ran into financial troubles and just around that time when they were, you know, having these financial troubles, I get an email from the talent scout from Marvel, uh, who happens to now be the editor-in-chief of Marvel, C.B. Sabolsky, uh, saying, oh, we love your work, you know, in this book you did. And if, uh, if you have any interest to work for Marvel, the door is open. Wow. And, you know, that, that, that was 2003. Um, and I was, you know, I just jumped at the chance because, uh, like I said, this company had run into financial troubles and they owed me money. And I was again, you know, yet again, you know, <laughs> it's like a pattern of, of, you know, being in a really, 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 you know, bad place. Right. Uh, and Marvel came along and, and, and then bit by bit, um, one of the first jobs they gave me or, or asked me to do was uh, 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 covers. Uh, for uh, an Iron Man book mm. and at the time I mean it's kind of almost un- unbelievable to think now but Iron Man was actually like a you know B list forgotten <laughs> you know outdated you know character that's so crazy you know only only like hardcore you know fans from like the 70s and uh, kind of 80s yeah. um, followed and then I guess these covers I did kind of you know caught some attention and, and, and you know, uh, uh, helped the sales a bit. So then this was around the time that Marvel started thinking about, because they've, um, uh, they've basically licensed out all of their best characters. So Spider-Man, X-Men and stuff, they licensed them out to other movie companies. So they couldn't do anything themselves with them. So they decided to try to pump up the characters that they had left, which mm-hmm. were, you know, these outdated, Again, unbelievable to think that, but Avengers, right. Captain America, <laughs> Iron Man, all of these, you know, they, they were so these funny. like, you know, characters, basically they were like the scraps that they had left. <laughs> so they were doing a relaunch of all of the Avengers and they asked me to illustrate the relaunch of Iron Man. And um, it took me about a year and a half to do these six issues uh, of Iron Man, but uh it, it became really quite popular because it was 
uh, I mean, it'll sound really modest, but it, it was fairly like revolutionary as far as the design and art style go. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think people in the in American comics had seen much of that kind of stuff before, right. where you, know, you could really believe that you know a human could be inside the suit or whatever. Right. And by this point, I had already moved to the UK uh, because of my wife, because she's from here. Uh, so I moved here in 2005, and this book was kind of coming out 2004, uh, 2005, and I think maybe the last issue came out in 2006 or something like that. And by this point, um, you know, I was I was moderately successful. I was just very slow uh, because mm -hmm. all of my stuff is painted. So uh, you know, to do comic book pages, it's it's you know takes forever. And yeah, very good if you can do more than you know a page a day right and i could do a page a week kind of thing right <laughs> um so but you know it was okay it wasn't like you know i wasn't starving anymore uh but then they decided to launch um marvel studios and their first project as a movie was going to be iron man and uh and this is why I have I can't really say anything bad about social media because, like I at the beginning mentioned about Adam and Facebook, John Favreau was announced as being the director of of you know the first Iron Man movie, and he had a MySpace page, <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I have nothing to lose, so I sent him a message with MySpace, and he he responded like immediately and he said, amazing oh man you know I love I love your book I love the Iron Man Extremist the book. And, uh, uh, you know, I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And then he's like, oh, would you, would you want to do a poster for the movie that we can promote at this, you know, year's Comic-Con in San Diego? And I was like, yeah, of course I could. <laughs> so I, I, I did this poster, but in order to do the poster, they didn't want the, you know, the, um, the uh, comic book design. They wanted something new. Mm, so yeah. I designed, I had to design, I went through the whole design process to design like a new kind of Iron Man suit and um, to feature on this poster. And, you know, I, I thought that was it. But then um, as it happens, they hired a new production designer. And when they presented to him various designs that they were working on, including this design that I did for the poster, he said, well, this is the one. And then John Favreau came back to me and said, hey, would you want to work on the movie? Wow. And so that's it, kind of. I'm not going to yeah. blab on. Anymore. No, that's, like, am that's, kind of <laughs> that's amazing. That must have been so exciting. It's just sort of those things, you know, because at the same time, you know, I was, you know, having, having this kind of international romance with, with my wife who was living in England. And then we got married in Vegas. And, you know, then we were kind of living apart, going back and forth uh, during those years. And then in 2005, I moved here. And then, so all of it is kind of like, you know, when I look back, it's like, man, just action. Yeah. <laughs> like just. No rest at all, I imagine. So were you doing, you were traveling and doing that work or were you able to, you know, yeah, I mean, mail things or email or. Yeah. At that point, it was all already done. Uh, oh, you mean on the movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I worked. We lived in a in a tiny little apartment uh, in uh, Leeds uh, uh, in England, and um, I was doing 
in the living room. I had a you know desk set up and I was doing the you know these things for for Iron Man. And then John Favreau would call me at two in the morning. <laughs> I don't I don't know if he ever really fully got. <laughs> Uh, hold like the, the full understanding of time zones but <laughs> he would call me at two in the morning to talk about iron man for like hours uh and um yeah so i would just then send stuff in and the only time i ever really went went in uh was they asked me to come out when they sent the stuff to stan winston studios for modeling oh right they were, they were struggling with um understanding some of the like surfacing mm-hmm. uh, you know and and they presented it to me as, as like it was like a really big problem when i got there i was like oh it's already you know 80 percent there it's just a bit of like you know pinching here and there and stuff mm-hmm. so for about four days uh, we sat at, at stan winston and uh, art directed the the like the 3d models uh and that was the only like "Quote unquote work, really, because I wasn't really working. All I was doing is like pointing. But right. <laughs> um, who was doing the modeling? Do you remember the name? Oh God, no, I can't remember. He was a really nice guy, but I can't remember his name. Um, was it was it was it cool? Was it you know did you know there there there's often times I know in a makeup effects people would come into art direct things and a lot of times the sculptors would get get a little bent out of shape. No, yeah. he, he was a, he was a really nice guy actually, and we we really got on uh, oh, really well. That's great. And because uh, there was three of us concept designers um, on Iron Man, uh, Phil Saunders and uh, Ryan Minerding and me, and to this day they're still. And Ryan is actually the head of uh, visual development at Marvel wow. Studios. Uh, he's like a vice president. Uh, he's a really good friend of mine. What I. I you know, to this day, I work with them, but uh, b- both with him and Phil. So we kind of like have had this like really long kind of relationship now, but that was our first meeting really. Mm-hmm. But I think Ryan w- was, was I don't want to like, I don't remember exactly, but uh, what you're mentioning, I think he had more of those issues. Mm. Uh, while I, I, if I remember correctly, I mean, I, maybe I was just so oblivious because I was like, wow, this is cool. You know, there's, <laughs> there's Terminator, there's aliens, you know, there's all this stuff. Yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was, because I was like, yeah, this Iron Man model is cool. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, and I think that probably helped a lot because I think the guys at Marvel Studios really were really worried, and they had another completely different vendor uh, building a model. And I never got to meet this other vendor. Just they, they uh, showed me the one that Stan Winston were building that they were really worried about. And I was like, oh, no, that, I, I was like, that, that, that looks good to me. It just needs like a bit of tweaking. Mm-hmm. And immediately in front of me, they called this other vendor and let him go. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, I was like, oh shit. I didn't mean for <laughs> that to happen. You know, I don't want anybody to lose their job. <laughs> right. but, uh, but then I think that's why also then when I went into Stan Winston, I think they were quite like happy with me because I, you know, said that, you know, this is actually looking really good. We can right. make this. And, and actually, you know, those four days that we were there is actually really what you end up seeing in the movie. Right. So it really did produce, you know, really awesome work. Was this a computer model you guys were working on or is this a clay model? Yeah, yeah, it was a computer model. Okay. Uh, I know that 
somebody was also doing a sculpt. Uh, but in the end, I think the computer model was so good that they could just do a right. half-scale uh, print of that. And Because uh, um, I, I remember seeing, and I think actually it's even on the, there's like a making of Iron Man film that uh, came out as a special uh, extra disc with the Iron Man DVD back in the day. And I think it has some footage of a sculptor working on an Iron Man helmet. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't look 100% like it looks in the film. So right. I think maybe it was just one of those things that they were they were trying to cover all bases. Right. But, um, yeah, a lot of that goes on. But it's really funny, actually. Again, you know, going back to the very beginning, how, like, everybody seems to know everybody. So I'm assuming, you, you know, Shane. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I I didn't know who he was, you know, but I was there. You know, he was he was you know kind of hanging out with us, uh, kind of you know managing, and we started talking about music, and he started talking about Tool. And I was like, oh, I'm a huge fan of Tool, and he's like, oh yeah, Adam used to work here, and he's like, yeah, Adam asked me to be a drummer in his band. <laughs> uh, and, and all this stuff, stuff and then you know fast forward like a few years later well not even a few years later like uh, what was that 2007 and then like 2011 so yeah like four years later I, I, I meet Adam and and then you know from a different perspective and, and it's all in, interconnected and it's yeah, like everybody yeah. seems to kind of Super weird. <laughs> Just a small world. That's all there is to it. Yeah. So uh, now, now you're, are you like, do you freelance or are you like permanently like a Marvel? Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm always free. I've always stayed freelance. Um, oh, cool. Uh, I mean, I have a, I have a, I have an exclusive contract with Marvel comics since 2004, which basically wow. means that, for comic book work, uh, I'm exclusive to them. Okay. But for everything else, I, I'm completely freelance. Except, um, I get a you know a contract uh, for a movie or or a, a you know TV show or whatever. Uh, so like right now, I'm, I'm I'm working on a on a thing for Marvel Studios again, and uh, you know that's a just, you know it's a contract. But okay, um, so it's like for for the film stuff. You still work for Marvel, but you're not really like a staff person. You're like no, you getting hired no. out. But the comics, you're kind of you've got this exclusive deal with them. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a very outdated thing. I think they got really into like doing these exclusives back in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the two, like two thousands. But uh, I think because you know I'm, I'm I'm fairly like you know my work is fairly popular. They don't want to let me go. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You can't have you know, the best. So best of both worlds in a way yeah you know freelance and a regular gig um but yeah i mean you know i kind of i'm lucky enough to be able to you know pick and choose like what i want to do and when i want to do it yeah um, that's the dream but, but yeah i mean ryan who i just mentioned from marvel studios you know he he when, it, when he asked me to 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 work on something i always I always do it because um, I really like working with them. And 
Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, we've done some some really quite like extraordinary stuff together over the years. So it it feels like yeah, when my days are numbered, uh, yeah, it 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 feels like it's it it will have been something that I will remember as as you know a, a good thing to have been. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's always great to have a person that you work well with that you respect as an artist you know but yeah i mean i i guess when you start kind of like i don't know maybe 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 it's a pandemic again but i feel like i've been kind of a lot of like like philosophical about a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. and even like considering those relationships you know that i was with phil and ryan and um it, it kind of like I'm thinking of them in in, in like you know they're, they're they're like a such a such a big part of my life and you know we, we are here for such a short time that it really it, it feels like a worthwhile kind of yeah thing to have done or to still be doing you know and hopefully to be doing for you know quite a while yet but um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What what kind of um, do you have like personal projects you're doing or or, or anything that's very it's like uh, I don't know just like you're this thing you want to do or are you just kind of like chilling with uh, the hi- hired work or I mean most of my like my stuff has been tool tool related mm-hmm. and then I did a a, a, a design and, a, and an illustration. Uh, of a character that then uh, you know sideshow collectibles uh, like license to do it, to turn into a statue. So and that is fully my own thing. Um, really, those fuckers. <laughs> I remember I met with them because I know uh, Tom Gilliland. Yeah, yeah, one of the owners. I, I, he was yeah. the guy when I started working at Rick Baker's. He was the painter there. He had ah. and uh, he left. I was taking over for him. He kind of trained me to take over his job because he was going to start Sideshow. Ah. And um, I had a meeting with them uh, years after, you know, I go to have a meeting with them years later and they have this huge facility. I was like, oh my God, this place is, it was just like, it was huge. Oh, it's massive, yeah. It's really impressive. And uh, they wanted me to do some sculpting for them, like design creatures for their intellectual property. I think it was probably that Court of the Dead stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, well, actually, I'm do- I want to do my own stuff. And I was thinking maybe you guys could produce stuff I'm doing because I've got my own characters, which is this dystopia book I just put out. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, we don't, do- we don't really do individual things for artists like that. So I guess I wasn't <laughs> enough of a hot shot that they did it. <laughs> I, I think I mean I, I don't really know, but um, um, that's amazing though that they did yours. That's really cool. Well, the, the the art director at the time, who is a really good friend of mine, has been uh, has left since. Mm. <laughs> so um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with with any of that. But, right. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was a, it was a it was a moment in time. Uh, that was, you know, good for me. Right. But I d- don't really have any kind of illusions that it 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 would happen again. 
Uh, or, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, the, the, the statue, you know, it's, a, it's an unknown quantity. And, you know, if they can sell, you know, thousands of, you know, Iron Man uh, and, and then struggle to sell 250 of these, you know, in, uh, creator owned things, uh, yeah, what, what I, I understand that they don't really have an incentive. Right. Uh, I, I don't really know, you know, their, their business. It's just that I've worked with them quite a lot over the years because they've done a lot of stuff based on my Marvel work. And I'm sure that helped with, you know, the, the selling, the, the, the idea of doing my design. I'm just really happy that it happened. No, that's cool. And, it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. I've done, it just I did came a... out, actually. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I mean, it went on pre-order over a year ago, but uh, I just got mine uh, like two weeks ago. Uh-huh. What's, um, it, what's it called? It's called Sova. How do you spell uh, that? S-O-V-A. S-O-V-A. It just means owl in uh, Bosnian. Oh, okay. Because the, 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 the character has an owl. And I was just trying to be a bit clever and, and you know just use right. Let me see here. Uh, here we go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it turned out really good. Yeah, uh, really cool. They, they did a they did a really really. I mean, I did a. It's it's kind of a. Uh, I have a friend who um uh, cool. whose family live in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's Singaporean originally, but he lives in the states. But. Um, with with like his kind of um, help, we organized a um, uh, gallery exhibit for uh, to benefit uh, a charity, um, a children's charity in Singapore. And for that exhibit, I did a painting that was just an original painting, and it was that character. Oh, cool! And that's all it was really meant to be. But then. Uh, my friend Dave, who was the art director at Sideshow, just loved that painting. And then, you know, one thing went to another, and then eventually they asked if they could license it to, to turn it. So that basically this is kind of like a thing I was doing with a friend right. uh, for this exhibit turned into something, you know, really, really... I mean, it was cool to begin with, but it turned into something really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just the original painting had a motorcycle. She was sitting on a motorcycle, but then in discussions with Sideshow, uh, it would have been a very large, very expensive statue. So I redesigned right. the base. So the, the, the character is the same, but instead of the motorcycle, it's a jet engine that she's sitting on. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Sideshow's awesome. They're cool. Tom's amazing. Tom Gilliland's super cool. I remember him talking about starting Sideshow back, you know, we were these like grunt painter guys at Rick Baker's, you know, painting a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, everything starts somewhere i know i know he had the big dream too it was like really cool he was we would talk about stuff a lot i did a, I ended up i did a. you can't see it but I, I did a thing sculpture for them like a thing bust yeah yeah yeah. that was really fun they were cool to work with um well so are you i mean do you do you want to make a your own comic is that something that you want to do even no not really i mean I I probably wouldn't mind coming up with like you know the characters and the illustrations and stuff, but uh, I would, if 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 that would you know if a comic made sense, I'd probably prefer someone else to draw it. Mm, yeah, uh, and it's purely from I I spend so long on my work 
that it would be completely impractical. Right. Uh, and, you know, I was, like I was mentioning, you know, I was, I was pretty broke when I did it in my 20s. And I really don't want to be that broke again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, it, it just, like, if, if, going back to like winning the lottery that you know maybe <laughs> i just it'll be a passion project but I, I just um yeah i mean i i found kind of my my like um i guess specialty or my my like market for mm-hmm. the kind of work that i like doing and, and comic book pages just doesn't really you know fit in with that because it's 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 just so time consuming. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. I mean, that's one of the reasons I never really pursued getting into comics is I also heard it doesn't pay as well when you're doing the pages. Well, that's, and stuff. that's the irony. You know, if I do a cover, you know, it takes less time than doing a page the way I do it, you know, because I like doing everything to the same kind of level. Mm-hmm. And that, that was pr- probably why it took so long on that Iron Man book because every panel was painted as 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 detailed and as as complex as a cover. Uh, right. So you, you that's, cr- doing, that's crazy, man. Yeah, you're doing six covers per page, <laughs> or pay that is you know a third less than a cover pays, <laughs> and it's taking you know ten days. So you know you you go you can totally see why I was broke. Right. <laughs> so, you know, because if you can do a page a day or or something like that, you know, you can do, you know do a pretty yeah you know. You could make, make a decent, a right? decent living, yeah. But you know, suddenly, if if you know you're doing it seven times longer, it's it doesn't really work, right? But the irony is, you know, covers are a they pay a bit better, but then also they are worth so much more as original art. Oh yeah, right. Interior pages, and you know, suddenly you know, doing one cover is probably worth as much as doing a whole issue of a comic book. Wow. Which is the, you know, which is the, so from a, from a purely, purely, you know, uh, uh, pragmatic uh, point of view, I can only see doing interior art as, as a passion project. Right. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, or I have been for, for quite a while at a, at a stage of my career that I don't, there, there, it, there's been a long time that I've had to do something. I can, you know, choose what, what I do, right? You know, when I do it, the kind of thing. So, um, yeah, long story short, it's just, yeah, I don't really see, see it happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would much rather do a cover, sounds like a cool gig doing a, a cover, just like a single image that's badass and you could focus all your attention on the single image and just make it perfect. And that's, yeah, that's, you know, I've, I've even, I, I never really wanted to do comics. I only, at the time, it was, it was a job on offer and, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to do a really good, good job on it. So, you know, it turned out good, but uh, my focus was always illustration. And, you know, back in the day, I wanted to be a poster artist. It's just that that market, you know, it just, the whole industry disappeared really right uh, but luckily other other doors opened and there's you know so much other kind of uh, uh so many other opportunities for artists because uh, for a while there i was uh, you know i was wondering like 
like, oh, you know, is, is, is commercial art going to be just, you know, extinct because everything is just photoshopped headshots. Right. Thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, luckily, you know, there are people who appreciate art and appreciate the skill and especially, you know, because again, for a while, what for a while, you know, it was like, oh, it's, it's all going to be digital and, you know, nobody wants, but it's not true. People actually still really appreciate, you know, the skill of doing something yeah. traditional, yeah. doing it on, you know, on, 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 you know, a physical piece of whatever canvas or paper or whatever. Right. Well, what techniques are you using? I mean, what's your meat? You're, you're an acrylic guy mostly. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that kind of came about a roundabout way. I didn't actually choose it as the, like, because I felt it was the best technique. It's just in college, I found it the most difficult. I just found it baffling. And, and I was like, I, I want to master acrylic so I can feel like I've conquered this yeah. like, you know, thing. <laughs> and, and then through that, I realized that actually acrylic allows me to do stuff that, you know, it's not perfect, but it allows me to do such a wide kind of variety of, mm -hmm. of stuff uh, that, that, you know, that's kind of what I've stuck with. And especially because I um, also use airbrush uh, kind of probably, I would say, I don't know, uh, like three out of five pieces, I do have at least some part of airbrush on it. Mm. And acrylic, again, it's all acrylic. Yeah, so yeah. acrylic ink, acrylic, you know, paint and stuff. Uh, so it just seems like, a, to me, the most kind of versatile, um, you know, material. Um, and I do a lot of digital stuff, especially when I work on concept art for, for you know, film stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's I do what a I lot of it digitally too. Because, um, you know, it's just so much easier. To yeah, make. and they want it fast and it's easier to make changes to also. Yeah, Marvel Studios is interesting, actually. They don't really care about the speed as much. Huh. Um, but I think this is because Ryan is the head there and he understands that good work requires, you know, time and effort and stuff. So um, we actually are allowed to really take stuff to like, you know, to, 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 to take it to its kind of like end, not because of time restraints, but because it's like, okay, this right. is the best to do kind of thing, which is, great. which is actually, you know, really quite excellent yeah that's how it was at uh rick's at rick baker's too it was the first shop i worked at where it was like they let you take the time to do it right mm -hmm. and you were expected to you know do it as well as could be possibly done which is always nice no that's that's always you know because i i don't know I, I just i really respect you know like passion and skill and and, mm -hmm. and effort because uh, yeah, I see I see concept art for some you know other stuff, and and it's just like photo bashed, you know, photoshoppy stuff, and um, and it does the job. But I, as an artist, to me that that you know feels like I don't know. I don't I don't want to you know. I'm not like thinking of anybody in particular. Just sometimes when I see some stuff, uh, I'm like I, I just couldn't actually I couldn't do it because. I would get nothing out of it, right? Out of the, you know the paycheck, but like right. I just, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, 
maybe I'm just spoiled to it by by you know having been allowed to to do it the way I want to do it. I don't know. Yeah, it's amazing though. You've carved your own path, and you're able to. I mean, you you're like you're living the dream. You're living the dream. You kind yeah. of you're just saying you can pick and choose your projects. You get to paint in the media you want. You live in a cool house. Got cool. Cars. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, yeah, that that yeah, yeah. Sometimes I I, I kind of yeah I. I'm I'm basically trying to like I'm trying to satisfy uh, an eight year old me, which <laughs> is like like, a, like a, I, I I suppose I'm, I'm in, the, in that way it's like a stereotypical kind of like middle age yeah you know. <laughs> yeah but think of where you came from though it's just it's incredible it's like these this is it's you know you 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 may not see it that way because you lived it but it's it's amazing uh, I, mean, I do I, I do you know i i you know i, I can appreciate it. It, it it's it's just one of those things that, you know i remember when i was in college you know so it was only like a couple of years after the the war and stuff and people there were like oh you know um compared to your problems you know like all oh, this seems trivial but i'm like yeah but everybody's problems are you know uh relative and relate and relevant to them right right and yeah so so even now you know i i you know like this pandemic has really done a number of my kind of mental state mm. just from from you know having to be in my own head sitting at home for like you know a very prolonged amount of time and and uh yeah and then i think like well what am i what what, what do i have to complain about you know uh right yeah I have a you know a nice home and you know I do a job that I you know have always dreamed dreamed about. What am I like upset about? But again, I think we all have to. It is relative. It's yeah, re- you know it's relative. Because <laughs> you know I've, I've you know through my through my work you know I've met I've met some like people that are you know huge what you would consider like you know properly like hugely successful and they can be just as miserable as everybody yeah. else. <laughs> sometimes more miserable yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I remember that, that, that time the first time i went to stay with adam um he was really upset because and, and to be fair I'm, I'm, I'm entirely with him but one of his neighbors at, at, at a house he had when he was wasn't there they they wanted a better view so they hired someone to come and cut his trees down oh no and and he was really really upset about this. I'd be I was like, Yeah, that's fucked up. Like yeah. really <laughs> fucked up. But but again, you know, you know here here you know, the guitar player for one of the you know, <laughs> greatest bands of all time. And, but he was really upset about these trees being cut. And 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 I was like, yeah, everybody, everybody hurts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and it's like people on that level don't. I don't know. They kind of don't get the. Uh, and the, the public doesn't allow them to suffer, no, yep. you, know? you know? And th- this is another thing, you know, going back to like the whole thing about like not being ashamed of your success. I, I, I don't want to allow that kind of thing. Like, oh, you know, what do you have to be upset about? Who can you right. It's like, well, you know, everybody should be allowed to be upset. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> part of being human, you know? You know I mean, you, you can win hundred million on a lottery and then get canceled. 
Uh, yeah. You're not supposed to be upset that you have cancer. You know, exactly. Like... <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I what a what an incredible story, man. I'm re- I really appreciate you taking time to come on. It's like very uh, extremely interesting, and, and again, it's inspiring. Inspiring. Um, I, I think it's really a story. You should write it down. You really should write it down. Your life story sounds kind of amazing. I mean, I mean, it's, it's aside almost- from the artwork. Aside from, 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 you know, you're an amazing artist and it's like the other stuff on top of that makes it a very interesting and compelling story. I think about it more like not about kind of like, oh, this is what happened to me or this is what I experienced. It's more just like, I think it's interesting just describing the things that I've seen. Right, right. So it's yeah. not even about like, oh, you know, I went through this. It's more yeah, kind no, of it's- like, it's not about you. It's about the experience itself. You want to share it because it's so crazy and interesting. I have, I just like quickly, because I find it's, it's kind of like inspired me my whole life. But I, I, during the war, the city was completely bombed out. And uh, I I had this uh, girlfriend that lived quite far on the other side of the city. And I would have to walk uh, like to, to, you know, it would take about an hour and a bit to walk. And I would walk across the uh, uh, train station that was completely bombed out. So there were these trains that were, uh, uh, you know, shelled and then they were rusting. And I remember, you know, coming back, and and it was just me on the on the platform of the of the train station with these bombed out trains, and just having this moment, even at that age, you know, I was I guess sixteen at the time, and it was almost like I was like I'm living like in a movie. It was like a scene out of wow. you know, Mad Max or something like that. Yeah. And, and I had this like real sense of serenity and it, it, it kind of, yeah, it felt like I was a character in a movie and it wasn't really about me. It was more just about the scenery. Right. And even then I could appreciate that I was seeing something that, you know, many people will not have seen in their right. lives. And it's, it, so it kind of stuck with me and, and I kind of feel like maybe Maybe some you know other people would find it interesting someday if I have the time to to actually write it down. It'd be an awesome. I, I hate to say it, but it would be amazing, like graphic novel. <laughs> it would, yeah, no, you know? that's yeah, yeah, it's true. It would be really amazing, and it would be you know, it it would be popular. It would it would do well too. Huh? There, I, I got your go I, the- I got your next project for you. I know. <laughs> get get hey, busy. Somebody wants to. Somebody wants to finance it and pay me to, to like, you know, maintain like what I'm. Um, Tell your life story in a comic book. I think it'd yeah. be pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, you, you're, uh, how many tool posters have you done for the tours? Uh, I don't know, maybe seven or eight or. Wow. I mean, without, without counting the variations. Uh, I think they, you know, one of the paintings uh, they used for the entire European tour a few years ago. So, you know, there's, I don't know how many posters that was, but the unique paintings, I think, I'd have to count them, maybe 10. That's awesome. Yeah, you're like one of the popular poster artists for them on the Facebook groups and all the tool poster collectors, you know. 
And to, to be fair, also, I think I think part of it is that Adam asks and I deliver because I think I'm a bit more professional than some of the like you know right. other people that yeah because I know I don't know who or whatever but I know that like some people have been asked to contribute and they would they wanted to and then wouldn't come through and stuff and I right. I think just my experience with you know being a commercial artist and yep. you know, deadlines and everything I you know and then, and then obviously they are my favorite band so uh, uh, you know and Adam is a, a you know a really good friend so I if he asks I tried to come through so yeah part of it is probably that and then, yeah you're reliable and that, that, that's that's what I got from uh uh all those years working in effects it's like you know you have to work at a deadline and you, and it just becomes part of your work ethic you know yeah i mean you know there, there was a poster i did i don't want to actually say which one it is i'll, I'll let, let people guess but <laughs> it, it, adam was like oh we need a poster can you do it and i was flying out within 48 hours to go to uh, atlanta and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, so <laughs> I, I did a poster in in, a, in about a day. Wow. <laughs> usually, usually, you know, the last one I, I did just for this tour, uh, you know, took about I don't know, maybe a week. So that's my kind of usual like right. time. But that one I did in a day, and it's been a pretty popular poster. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know how it is. It's like sometimes those day those quick ones end up being super popular. You know, it's funny. I actually, so, you know, because I, I, I've done a lot of covers for Marvel and I actually get really angry. Uh, I don't do that kind of stuff anymore, but uh, in the past, you know, it would be like a really tight deadline and I would have to rush and do a cover in a, in a night. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, fine. I, I finished it or whatever. And then that, that cover would become more popular than the ones that I really yeah. like. What the hell? And, and I, it really actually made me angry because I didn't consider it good work. I considered it just right. like had to be done, but suddenly it's more popular than what I do consider good work. It happens all the time, man. I, I think there's something to be said about like immediacy and not over overthinking your, oh, your choices yeah. and just going for it. You know, there's something to be said about that. Um, and then the bad thing about, about doing that as well is you become the guy that can do a, painting overnight and then they expect oh. you to do that all the time we were just talking i forget I, I don't remember which guest but we were just talking about that recently that you don't want to get in that position to where you're the fast guy that all you know always has to do it overnight you know i i actually warn a lot of uh, my friends who you know not anymore because we're all now you know seasoned <laughs> right. in the past you know people would like start working for comic book companies and then like, oh, you know, I did a whole issue in, you know, 10 days, which is 22 pages. And I'm like, be careful because yep. they'll, they'll, you know, you'll, you'll be that guy yeah. and, then, and then you'll burn out and the work will suffer. And then they'll be like, well, his stuff isn't selling. And then they'll let yeah. you go, not <laughs> take, you know, because they, they won't think, wait, his stuff isn't selling because we're making him do it so fast. So yep. he has to do it to attract him, you know. Instead, yeah. he, he Iron just... <laughs> that Iron Man book I did, you know, it was meant to be an issue every month, but instead it was six issues in a year and a half. But today nobody remembers that. Right, exactly. Yeah, at the time people were bitching and complaining yeah. and you know, all of that. But uh, if I did it 
you know, crappily, nobody would remember. There would be no Iron Man movie. There would be no, you know, everything we know today. Uh, and now when people, you know, everybody's like, oh, I love that book. I grew up on that book and stuff. Nobody remembers that. Yeah. <laughs> they only remember the quality. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And anytime anyone wants to bitch again, you just hold that up as an example. Uh, yeah, sadly, people have very short memories. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say one last thing before we, we go is um, I'm guessing your, uh, your foundation, uh, your uh, foundation for your paintings is based on drawing. You uh, seem yeah. like, you seem like, cause it's like your, your, uh, your quality, you know, you can tell someone that's, that's a good draftsman or drafts person or whatever. Someone that draws really well. It's like, it translates in the painting um you know i my friend travis louis i he 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 would always tell me that he's a great painter he's like painting is drawing you know it's like you got to know how to draw to paint yeah, I, mean, I think i, I um I mean, maybe it's because i i you know grew up on, on comic books not american comics but like european comic books um so drawing was like the thing i wanted to do mm-hmm Painting came later, but my painting just became a way to color the drawings. Right, exactly. I could totally and, see that. And then, you know, at some point, the kind of, I, cause, so I, I still do the drawing very, very tightly. And I mm-hmm. still, you can, in all of my paintings, you can still see the drawing coming through. Uh, it's just that I've, at one at some point, uh, uh, learn to let go of some of the constraints of the drawing and let the painting right. breathe more. Because I, I felt for most of my career, the painting was very much held back by the drawing. So the drawing was... Mm, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I know what you uh, mean. But but in my more recent work, I'm kind of letting him coexist and, and, and using or trying to use the best of both. Mm-hmm. which in the past you know so in the past if the drawing had a mistake that mistake would stay in the painting right, but now right. i've let go of that and i'm like well no i'll just overpaint you know i'll paint over it and fix it because right. it'll make a better piece <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? right right yeah the you know the your 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 remarks are really amazing too it's like i i saw the other day i saw you did a brighter frankenstein remark on one of yeah, the posters yeah. I was like, how the hell did he do that? It's like, how did you do that? Because I know how it is doing those remarks. It's like, you can't like trace it out or, you know, it's very weird because the posters, you can't, especially if you're not going beyond the border of the image, Mm -hmm. you have to like, you can't fuck it up. You can't paint over it and fix it. You know what I mean? So I was like wondering how, how I saw that and I was like, how did he do oh, that? <laughs> and this, this is actually, I mean, the acrylic, uh, the way I use it, especially on, on, on the posters, uh, I find it really quite relaxing because I just block it out in mid gray. Mm-hmm. And then I just go back and forth, push it around black, white, black, white, or, you know, the, the range. So I can actually massage it literally until it's right. 
So you yeah, just don't, you don't go outside of the the bounds, the edges, unless you go a little bit more if you need to make it bigger on the edges or something. Yeah, with that bride of Frankenstein, I had to I had to actually I, I realized that I made her neck uh, too thin, mm. and I actually uh, uh, like painted out of of you know that that uh, original kind of gray. Uh, but um, I don't know. I mean. Um, I think it's one of those things I, I've become obsessed, I would say, for the past, like, I don't know, seven or eight years with Baroque and, and kind of like classical, but especially Baroque statues, mm. because it's that, you know, when they moved from like the, the Renaissance, where it was all, you know, relaxed and floaty and moved into more that kind of tense bodies and Right. Uh, you know, real like uh, you know chiseled kind of almost. Uh, so I I I now you know when I draw or paint, I always think of like okay, I'm I, I literally want to draw a baroque type of statue. Uh, so that really kind of set, like has reset my mind to to thinking of things in like uh, uh, these volumes. Right. Because uh, before I always thought of, of the line first, but now I think of the volume and right. then the line just describes that volume to give me a guide. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. hundred uh, percent. So even when I'm, cause I now often uh, sketch digitally uh, before I uh, uh, commit to paper and I, have like a brush, you know, in, 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 in uh, uh, I've switched actually from Photoshop to Paint Studio. Uh, oh, really? Clip Studio Paint. Uh, but I have like a, it's, it's like a ink brush type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it literally kind of replicates like drawing with a big ballpoint pen. Oh, cool. uh, and then I can really carve the shapes. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, and it, it really gives me like a, I don't know, maybe I'm fooling myself, but it, it seems to really work quite well. Um, <laughs> these kind of like really, you know, hopefully powerful shapes. So that like Bride of Frankenstein, to, to be fair, she did turn out really well. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was impressed. Um, you know, they, not all of them turn out that way. <laughs> but, but that one, that, that one really did turn out quite, quite well. Um, yeah, we don't we don't always post the ones that don't turn out so well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I this is also why, I, like with the tool posters, I try not to take pre-orders because I, I don't want anybody who pays for something in advance to then be disappointed. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I would rather just do it when I have the time and then put it out there, and if, we, if somebody likes it, they will take it rather than you know. Uh, yeah. So. I learned this through, you know, comic work because commissions, especially like at conventions and then also at home commissions are like a really big thing. And I just really dislike that moment of like when, when you realize that the person who commissioned it, maybe it's not quite what they had in mind. Yeah, or, yeah. Know, I'm like, ah. <laughs> it adds that level, another level of pressure. <laughs> I did. A, it's, he's a really good friend of mine. But he had a kid, or has a kid, but the kid is now, God, 
how old is he now? 16, 17. But when he was two, he asked me to do a, 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 like a drawing of him. And I did a drawing that I thought was really, really good. He's like, oh, it doesn't look anything like it. He was really <laughs> quite like down on it. And then about a year later, he's like, oh, he's grown into his portrait. Now it looks exactly <laughs> like it. And I was like, it always looked like him. It's just that in a drawing, obviously, for whatever reason. Yeah, you couldn't see looked, it. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, oh, now, like at three, he looks just like him. I'm like, it always looked like him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Have you ever, uh, have you ever sculpted? Uh, a long time ago, like a long time ago. It's um, so fun. You should try it. It's super I, I, fun. I, I loved it in, in school. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, because uh, I had an entrance exam for, for, for that art school in Bosnia. And part of it was, it was drawing and then sculpting. And, and I, I was, you know, decent enough even, you know, as a teenager. Yeah, I bet you would just you know, if you did it now, you just with all of your knowledge, you'd just be able to sculpt really well right off the bat. And I learned, I learned ZBrush uh, mm. last year, and I actually find it really, really fun. Yeah, uh, it's super fun. And and you know, I, the, the results I, I, I achieved, I, I, I'm really happy with. So, uh, you know, it is. I think it is something that I, I could do fairly. Like mm -hmm. competently, I'm sure you. I'm I sure you could see things in you know three dimensional. Yeah. Um, the funny thing as a as a traditional sculptor who's also used ZBrush before, ZBrush makes you a better sculptor. Oh, it's does it? Yeah, it's weird. It's like I've seen people who aren't that. The, I've seen people do ZBrush, and I'm like that person can't sculpt that well. I know their work. <laughs> it's like, it's some, I don't know what it is. It's like, it's somehow, I, I just, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it's like it, 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 uh, it gives you some kind of edge somehow. And it makes you, it makes you like, you have to know what you have, you have to know how to sculpt and how things look in 3d. It's not like it just makes anybody a good sculptor, but um, it makes you like, a little bit better than you are in traditional sculpting, yeah. clay sculpting. I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see that as well. I, I think, I mean, I would say the same applies to painting, because the digital kind of removes that, like, you know, the tactile feel of the of the real materials. Right. And you have to have, you have to have a bit of like a, it's like an instinctive feel for it. I yeah. Think. Right. So maybe that, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of guessing, but um, but I have to say, actually, learning ZBrush actually made me a better painter. I would say, mm -hmm. just kind of gave me even more like that whole kind of volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always credit being able to paint because I didn't start painting fine art stuff until uh, I was 33. So I was already in the business of being pretty much mostly a sculptor for like you know 10 10 15 years or i don't know 13 years or something yeah, yeah. and uh and i really credit uh knowing form and constantly looking at forms in 3d and looking at life casts and body casts using reference just living in the kind of the three-dimensional world and approaching artwork that way to uh 
um, how I'm able to capture form in painting just be, from staring at it and studying it and knowing how to do it three dimensionally, you know? Oh, that, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So I mean, it was like kind of good training for being a painter, I think. I think anything in life, you know, if you, if you live with it, 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 it seeps into you. And, right. <laughs> I mean, I know, you know, just, just it's like with dro- driving, you know, you, you longer you do it, more it kind of feels just like, a, you know, you can feel the like the weight building in the car if you go. Right. You know, you know, various different things, but it kind of translates into uh, uh, everything else. So it it's, makes perfect sense if you're if you're doing sculpture and, and, and thinking about the three dimensional that that it would because I think that's what it did to me. You know, learning ZBrush it really improved my kind of the way I was looking at at my two. Right. Yeah, being able to see things from all sides is like mm-hmm. is a uh, is huge because as a as painters, we're just like kind of cheating the or creating the illusion of three dimensions on a on a flat yeah, yeah. panel, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I could keep talking all night to you, but I know <laughs> it's late where you are. I've already kept you beyond what I said I would, and uh, That's all right. but man, I really appreciate it. It was so great to meet you finally. I've been a fan yeah, too. for a long time, and um, uh. uh yeah, I love everything you do. It's amazing. I'm so so uh, honored that you tell your story here and stuff. People are going to dig this episode. So, uh, very appreciative. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll meet in person. Soon. Yeah, this this nonsense has to be over soon. It's, it's got to be over soon. It's yeah. got to be over soon. Well, you know, if you ever come out to LA, man, I'd love to. I mean, I, I'm. I, I'm there yearly in normal times. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we're planning actually in San Diego Comic Con this year. Oh, cool. Uh, so that's, that's 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 in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah, July. Yeah. Yeah. So then we're we're in LA uh, usually after that for a few days at least. Oh, cool. Yeah, it'd be great to meet up. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to getting back to kind of, you know back on the road a bit yeah because um, at least you guys in, in, in the u.s you have a you have a big country but here you know, in, right. in it's you know, not that far anywhere right that's true it is really small well uh all right then well again yeah. th- thank you um thanks for coming on and uh as Pleasure. we as we do always at the end of the podcast you have to say Goodbye, audience. So say goodbye, audience. Goodbye, audience. <laughs>